I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Imogen, how are you? Oh, very well. Not really. <laughs> no, not really. I don't think anyone is. No. Mm. No, just just very upset about what's happening. Yes. Have you volunteered to take some Ukrainian refugees we have, in your yes. house? Yes, we have. Who have you done that through? This organisation, they are called the Sanctuary Foundation, mm. supporting new arrivals from Ukraine. Yeah, very good. And so you can... Assuming they can fill in the 26,000 point questionnaire that they have to do before they I know, can be allowed I know, that's extraordinary. I wrote about this today in the paper about how ridiculous it is. These are things that they have to do. Yeah. They have to create an online account on the Home Office website and fill in an application form. Mm. They have to upload proof that their qualifying family member in Britain has permanent residence status in Britain, mm. such as a copy of the Home Office vignette. What? What the hell is that? I don't even know what that is. Upload proof that they have been living in Ukraine before January 1st this year. Right. Provide evidence that they are related to the qualifying family member in Britain, such mm. as birth certificates, yada, yada, yada. Translate all the above documents into English and upload them onto the website. What? Because you're really going to be able to do that when you're dodging cluster bombs. Yes. I mean, I can't even find a, you know, utility bill. I know. Well, I mean, it's, it's also the idea that you've, you've run out of your house with your child yeah. and your cat... Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. you've done nine hours on a train standing up. Yeah. You're freezing cold, your baby is crying, and you've got no Wi-Fi. <laughs> and you've got and you've got no signal. You've got no signal and you've got no battery. <laughs> no battery, no signal. I mean, really? Yeah. And then you have to book and attend an in-person appointment at a Home Office Visa Application Centre in Poland, Hungary, Romania, Moldova or France. So officials can take your biometrics mm. and the earlier slots are in two weeks' time. So good luck. With that. Wow. And is, I just think, I'm sorry, but I think what all this thing has exposed is how utterly rubbish the Home Office is. Yes. I mean, it has been for donkey's years. Do you remember, was it, who was it, John, John, that Labour person anyway. It's been like that for 20 years. Mm. Yes, I think that's an extraordinary idea. I'm, I'm not sure they could make it any more difficult, no, actually. Exactly. Um, so I just think they should let in all the women travelling with children and yep. anyone who's old. But also, I think they should process them here. Yeah. It's much easier to process people here if you've got but them... Also, the other thing about the Ukrainians is it's obvious that they don't want to leave their country. No, I think if they, I think, you know, the last thing they want to be doing is fleeing their country. And I think if they had a chance to go back, they would. I mean, they're yeah. all leaving behind all their all their husbands and sons. Mm. Do we really think they're desperate to come here? They're not desperate to come no. here. They're just desperate to get out. Yeah. And the Home Office keeps saying, oh, well, we, you know, we don't want to accidentally let in some Russian spies. <laughs> I mean, surely if you had some sort of half sensible people yes. doing this thing, they'd be able to identify the Russian spies. What Russian spies? I mean, there aren't any Russian spies, are Where there? Where are they? I mean, I mean yeah, presumably they, they'll be dressed in a Mac. With yes. A, with a, well, but hopefully we talk to our hacker about this later. <laughs> exactly. But um, I just, I think it's just horrendous the way that, oh, I just, the red tape. I mean, did you, did you realise that the Ukrainian ambassador to the UK himself couldn't get his own wife Yes, in? I saw that, yes. I mean, that is... Kafkaesque. It's ridiculous. I know. Anyway, I know. so today we are going to talk about a few things. Actually, three things mainly. Mm-hmm. First thing is that I was quite interested in Anonymous and what they've been doing. They yes. seem to be doing quite some quite good stuff. So yes. we're going to talk to a former hacker about how that works because mm. I haven't got a clue. But also, you know, they really do know nothing in in Russia. 
What do you mean they know well, nothing? Well, because there's the internet is down. Uh, yeah. The in- Instagram is only yeah. apparently showing cats, kittens. I'm not joking. Really? Just kittens. Yeah. And have you still got friends in Russia? Yes, I have. Uh, I have one le- left yesterday. Mm. And she said it's very, very difficult. They know nothing. Mm. They've, they have no access to the BBC, mm. no access to Facebook, mm. no access to Twitter, any information at all. They know nothing. Wow. So that's kind of fascinating in this day and age that yeah. you can cut off a huge population like that. Yeah, because apparently Elon Musk has been diverting all the Ukrainians' internets by yes. some sort of satellite. Yes, thing. yeah. But literally kittens on Instagram. Yeah. That's all you've got. Yes, Putin's kittens. I presume, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm surprised they just haven't got endless reels on the telly of Putin looking handsome. Oh, they have got that too. Oh, they've are got, they yeah, doing that? Oh, they've got that, yes. Whilst playing yeah. the Russian national anthem. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, get, we are going to talk to somebody who understands all this thing. And we're also going to talk to James Caravini, who runs London's oldest Italian restaurant, oh. about <laughs> the resurgence of the chicken Kiev. Oh, good. I know. It's a bit, it's, I just felt we needed some light, lightness. Yes, and they are delicious. <laughs> yes, they are delicious. And then last but not least, we're going to talk to Teresa Chung about witches because, you know, Nicola Sturgeon has apologised to all the witches, mm. which presumably includes us. Obviously, yeah. Around a cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> the vigilante hacking group Anonymous claims mm-hmm. to have taken control of Russian state television and broadcast footage of the war in Ukraine, which could help fight Putin's propaganda machine from within Russia. Mm-hmm. So joining me now is Cal Leamy. I don't understand how any of that works. Basically, no. I can barely do my Ocado shot. <laughs> um, so, so we've got an expert, Cal Leeming, CEO and founder of cybersecurity firm Zero Guard. Sounds really, really sounds glamorous. Zero Guard. It sounds very sounds, I'm imagining you all dressed in black T-shirts. <laughs> yes. With, you know, special oh, a- wristbands. Absolutely. Are you all in the Nevada desert? Oh, it's, it's like a scene is. out of Hackers the movie. <laughs> You'd have to kill me. You're actually probably in Basingstoke, aren't you? Anyway. Croydon. um, He's in Croydon. (laughs) But, um, I mean, it's like an episode of Black Mirror watching those Mm. anonymous broadcasts. I mean... How are they getting in, by the way? How are they doing it and are they doing it? Mm. This is what I want to know. Or is it just some teenage boy's fantasy? It's actually a really interesting movement. It it started out as, I guess, a little bit of a joke on uh, message boards. This was well over a decade ago. And as different people started to get involved, various splinter groups formed. Uh, one of the most mm. famous you probably recall was Lolsec. Uh, you know, they, they went after a whole bunch of different things. And what you really have now is anyone with not even any in-depth technical knowledge can just go online, find a bunch of tools, effectively buy their crimeware kits. Crimeware? uh, What's that? What's crimeware? So uh, it used to be, I say back in the day, where you would have to create your own malware, you'd have to create most of your own tools, you'd you'd effectively have to work really hard, you'd you'd have to have quite a lot of knowledge. Now, Mm. these days, you can just pay a bit of cash, and you can buy someone else's tools, and it even comes with 24-7-365 support pretty wild. Um, so depending on what your skill level is, some people who are really talented, they'll make some very special custom stuff that is not going to get detected mm. by anyone. And then on the other end of the scale, you have people who just buy DDoSing tools, you know, tools that can overwhelm different servers, different services, etc. How are they getting in? Is it is it someone in the Kremlin pressing the you've missed your letter sort of type of phishing? Is it through phishing that they've got in? Taking over Russian television and they're doing their uh, anonymous broadcasts and things? 
Well, it really depends. As you've probably seen, the state of digital security globally is pretty abysmal. And TV stations, radio stations, government, power stations, everyone, no one is immune from this threat. Mm. So there's this common misconception that because it's TV or because it's radio or because it's you know some really big thing, that it therefore mm. must be secure, it must be the latest, must be the greatest. And it's not. Exactly. And as, as producers, I'm sure you're probably well aware, mm. you know, every time you're in the back office, every time you're looking at how things are put together and you're thinking, wow, that's pretty bad, <laughs> depending on where you are. Uh, and, and it's the same across the world. But is Anonymous a group of, I mean, is it a bit like Spectre? In, <laughs> I mean, are they a collective of people or are they just... Well, I like to think that there is a collective of people who are fundamentally on the right side. Yes. Who are sort of, you know... Messing things up Messing things up for the bad people mm. and trying to help the good people. Or is that just a fantasy of mine? Um, it's a fantasy, isn't it? I think it's less spectra and more weaponized introverts. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Well, of course, Spectre was bad. I'm trying to think of... I mean, is it basically Avengers mm. online? Or is it a group of people who are fundamentally, you know, for the good? Mm. Or, as you say, is it just sort of... Crazy? Whose side are they on? Yes, whose side are they on? And, <laughs> and you know... And shall we get behind mm. them? Yes. It's a really good question. And, and it, this has come up multiple times over the mm. years. And the answer is always, it depends. Everyone has their own motivations for wanting to do things. Mm. Uh, and indeed, when someone decides they want to become part of Anonymous, they could indeed just be doing it on their own under the moniker mm. Anonymous. Or they could be in one of these splinter groups. They could be just on a Discord that they came across where the bunch yeah. of other people happen to be attacking a target that they believe that um, should also be attacked at that time. And then maybe they leave and go to another one afterwards. Mm. It's organized chaos. Uh, yes. And, and definitely less that's for sure. I mean, are they likely to be Bill Gates? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are, you know, there's a lot of people that contribute into these kind of movement. Um, mm. I would hesitate to speculate on any names that would be involved, mm. but, you know, certainly from the work that we do where we, we see what's going on in the world, mm. the, the, the types of people getting involved are completely different ends of the spectrum. You've mm. got your, your introvert kids who are in their bedrooms with, who are mm. insanely talented and some of them not. Mm. And then on the other end, you have people who you, you wouldn't even, you would never think would be involved in something like that, but but they are. Um, yes. And I mean, I'm just really curious because I don't understand why if Anonymous can do all this stuff, why isn't the British government just doing it for itself? Mm. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm a bit confused as to why we, you know, why Anonymous are better at it, better at it than we are. Because yes. surely we can also have some introverts. Or, or maybe they're just better at, maybe they're, they break rules, whereas I we are supposed to, yeah, because the propaganda war has been quite interesting, hasn't mm. it, out of Ukraine and Russia. And I don't know what your opinion is of who's doing a, a better propaganda job? So, first of all, the, the TLAs, the three-letter agencies, they, they tend not to advertise about what they've done. They tend mm. to brag about what they've done. Um, whereas oh, Anonymous, yeah. you know, that, it's, it's less regulated. Um, yeah. The TLAs as well, they are... Although what's they, a TLA? They have, sorry, what's a TLA, uh, Carl? I'm, I'm sorry, uh, for, I'm so stupid. Sorry, three, 
It's a distant abbreviation for three-letter agency, so CIA, GCHQ, MI5, MI6, oh. all the usual Okay. Um, oh, well, now I'm going to so go around they, saying three-letter agency, t- TLAs, TLAs. Yeah, exactly. And they have a lot of regulation. They have a lot of compliance they have to meet. They don't just have, for want of a better phrase, carte blanche to go and do what they want. They have certain amounts of freedom and individual decision they can make, but if... Again, want for a better phrase, if daddy says no, you can't do it. Whereas if you're yeah. part of this anonymous group, who's going to stop you? Who's going to say mm. no? Who do you report mm. to? No one. Yeah. And I think that's also what the draw is as well for a lot of these people. It's the ability to go and make these mass waves to make a huge change in the world and mm. to not, you know, what they think is to not have to suffer the consequences. What they don't <laughs> realize is that it's very easy to get caught and get in trouble. Yes, but also, presumably, you know, these people are not necessarily moral arbiters of anything. Mm. So, you know, it's quite interesting that you've got people out there who could really do some serious damage and they have no controls on them at all. And they could just be unibombers, basically. Mm. I mean, they could be nice people who are trying to help or they could be really bad people who are trying to, you know, do lots of bad in the world. Yeah. Infiltrate the banking system or something like that. I get a lot of people messaging me about this, asking for my advice and asking, you know, should I get involved? Should I do this? Should I do that? And my answer every time has been the same. Uh, my personal opinion is that people should, at least in the UK, uh, should, should not get involved in this. The risk, mm. if you accidentally go after the wrong target, if you accidentally damage the wrong system, if you do something that really pisses off the government, they will wrap you up in litigation. They will just extradite you in the, dro- you know, in the drop of a hat. And that's your life mm. completely messed up mm. for, ten, for the next 10 years. Um, yeah. It's just, in my opinion, it's not worth the risk. But at the same time, I fully respect anyone who is doing everything they can to try and help the Ukrainian people because it's an important issue. It is a very important issue. Well, thank you, Carl. I, you know, Brilliant. I'm not really sure I understand it any more than I did at the start. No, but, but at least you know the word I'm TLA a, now. A di- but I do know I can say TLA. <laughs> a lot. And sound like I actually have a clue. <laughs> that was Cal Leeming, CEO and founder of cybersecurity firm ZeroGuard. And I thought, jolly interesting chat. Very, very interesting. Sainsbury's waitress, John Lewis, etc. have all dropped Russian products from their shelves, although my local corner shop is still selling Russian vodka. So oh. that's good. Yeah. London restaurant Il Portico, which is the oldest family-run Italian restaurant in London, mm. has done something a little different. After 40 years, they've put Chicken Kiev back on their menu to raise money in support of Ukraine. Joining me now is the owner of Il Portico, James Chiaravini. Ciao, James. Hello, Sarah. Nice to, nice to be on your show. Oh, we won't do the whole thing in Italian because that would be... No, that would really be irritating. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your new chicken Kiev. My son, by the way, absolutely loves chicken mm. Kiev. It's his staple food it's as a delicious. chicken Kiev. He yeah. loves uh, a chicken he, Kiev. He, he must come by. He absolutely must come mm. by. So we love you to see him again. Basically, we started it off because at the beginning of the conflict, I just felt so terribly useless, like I think most people did in this country. Mm-hmm. And just wondering what we can do to help. And as a restaurant that's been in the community for nearly 60 years, you really want your business to be the linchpin of any community as a neighborhood restaurant, don't you? Mm. And I thought, well, do you know what? Maybe we can bring a little bit of comfort back to people's lives because that's what everybody wants at the moment after mm. doing scrolling with the needle day and raise money at the same time. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be, you know, slightly fun and useful at the same time if we could bring back chicken kia for the first time in, well, 46 years, I think, the last time <laughs> it was on the menu? 
And it's a chicken Kiev, not Kiev, as it says yeah. it on the menu. Kiev. Kiev, not Kiev. But we've basically done it to raise money for the Red Cross. And mm. the government has been lovely and decided to match our donation pound for pound. Oh, that's and that's good. So how much per chicken Kiev? <laughs> so it's going to be £10 per chicken Kiev will go to Ooh. the Red Cross, which is lovely. Dime. That's, That's brilliant. good. Because it's not really an Italian dish, is not it? Really. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. No, not in the slightest. But most Italian dishes in the 70s weren't Italian either. That is no, that's true. true. Yeah. That's very true. So James, what makes a good one? What should oh, we be looking for? De- you've got to deep fry it. There's no point putting okay. it in the oven. It's got to be oh. coated in breadcrumbs. Oh. You need so much butter that it's almost swimming, swimming with it. And then you've got to deep fry it at the end to give it that lovely crispy shell. Oh, that, that and garlic, of course. Yeah, yeah, and garlic, of course. Do you add parsley or not yes, parsley? Yeah, we, we go okay. full 1970s on it. We are unabashedly 1970s on this dish. So lots of parsley, lots of butter, lots of garlic, and then chuck it in the, in the, in the deep And do you serve it with a side order of defibrillator? <laughs> <laughs> you might need one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> James, do you know the origin of the dish? Because I have to say, I did live in Kiev for quite a while. I was at the university there. And to hand on heart, I don't think I ever had it once. I had it once in Moscow, in a smart yeah. restaurant in Moscow, but I've never eaten it in the Ukraine. It's probably like a bit like a chicken tikka. No Indian has ever eaten a chicken tikka, yeah. oh, nor no. would they. Yeah. So I do you know the origin of the know. actual dish? As far as I know, and this may be a scholar's rumour, but as far as I know, it was a French chef in St. Petersburg. Oh, there you um, go. That, that would, yes. Yes, that I would be probably think, be correct. I yeah. don't take my word as gospel on this. I don't know. Yeah. Does it have to be chicken or can it be partridge, Kiv? Or veal. Or veal. Yeah, no, we were, no, uh, if it was game season, we would have done, we would have done pheasant Kiev. Yeah. But you need, you need, yeah. you need a bird that's slightly larger than the partridge to actually. Yes. Is it the breast that you use? Does it have a bone in it? Yes, it does. It does. It's, mm. it's, it's the bone in breast is what you use. So you can right. use it for a pheasant. A pheasant is just as good. I mean, to be yeah. honest with you, it's really, with any amount of garlic and butter, everything tastes nice. Well, that is true. <laughs> it's true. So Even I snails. Wa- exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste anything too precious on it. To be quite honest with you, but it's a it's a fun, delicious dish that everybody eats once a year, and it's a good way to raise no, money. No, it's not true, James. My son eats one at least once a week. Mm, so does oh, well, mine, actually. <laughs> they really do like it because it's because when it's breadcrumbs, isn't yeah, it? yeah. But also they burst like an abscess when you open yes, them. Yes, they do. <laughs> I know, I know, and it's fun, and it's always nice to see how many people get it squished all over their nice silk neckties after enjoying dinner. <laughs> um, so the, are they flying out at the moment? Are people being yeah, they thinking, are. great, let's have out. it? We're selling out every day. Maybe you should do a pizza, Keeve. Well, what we're mm. going to do actually for the summer is we're going to build an enormous terrace. Hopefully. We're going to build basically the biggest terrace in West London, so it'll be about 75 capacity terrace right on Kensington wow. High Street, just around the corner from the Ukrainian Culture Institute. And we're going to do a big, throughout the whole summer, we're going to be hosting outdoor dinner parties for Ukraine where the whole of the terrace will basically it'll be mm. ticketed event and all proceeds will go to the Red Cross in Ukraine for those as well. Brilliant. And we'll probably be doing them once a week or once a month throughout the whole of the summer. Yeah, I think it's a good, I think you might need to do a chicken kiv salad option. <laughs> Yeah, like sort of less. So. the ladies. For the ladies. Is, well, we might have to do some sort of Russian salad or something. Well, the Italians mm. have insalata rusa. Insalata rusa, which has mm. got nothing yes. to do with Russia. It's got potatoes, no. peas. It's potatoes, and peas. Mayonnaise. But they like that, I'm afraid. That's exactly what a Russian a, salad. What is in an insalata rusa? Maybe I the, think it's maybe that the potatoes, mayonnaise. It's potatoes, peas, mayonnaise, carrots. It's like a sort of... Yeah. And a gherkin? Oh, it's, it's not is very there a nice. bit of a gherkin in there? They like a bit of a pickled something or other. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, so maybe you could have a you could have a sort of hands across the divide in oh, Salata Rusa versus Chicken Kiev. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe yes. But anyway, I mean, well, thank day, you, James. All, my pleasure, my pleasure. At the end of the day, it's all about it's all about having fun and doing good, you know, good doing good causes for charity. Yeah, I think so. And ten pounds is not an insignificant sum of money, no. actually. And you get a nice chicken kiv. Yeah, perfect. Yes. Perfect. Everyone's well, thank you, Dad. Thank you. Win a chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, James. And My good pleasure. luck. Take care. That was the owner of Il Portico. Very nice restaurant. Very nice. James I'm now Carabini. hungry having thought of it. Yes, delicious. Yes. Oh. Actually, he's right. Anything covered in butter and garlic. Mm. It's just, just great, isn't it? Yes, as you said, including snails. Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon celebrated International Women's Day this year by issuing a formal apology to <laughs> witches. <laughs> it's very nice of her to apologise to me, isn't it? And, and, and to me. You. And yes. me. Yeah, thanks. I identify as a witch slash bitch. Are you? I don't mind which one. They're basically interchangeable. They're interchangeable. Anyway, <laughs> joining me to talk all things witchy is our resident astrologer, Teresa Chung. I think it's quite interesting that she's doing this at a time when really the world is in meltdown and I'm not sure that something that happened 400 years ago is necessary an urgent Are there thing. many votes in witches? That's what I want yeah. to Yeah. <laughs> and also, I, I'm quite interested because I do think witches, witching in general, has mm. had, witching, is yeah. that a thing? It is. It is a thing. Witching yes, has had a, a proper resurgence. I mean, witch talk or TikTok is full of witches doing mm. witchy things, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think she's been doing that? I don't know. It's very, it's very, it's huge. It's hugely, especially in the US. I know some tech taps into mm. all these communities. It's massive. However, if you live in Croydon, that is the pagan yeah. Wiccan centre of the UK. Um, oh, you know, no, um, it's not. <laughs> Croydon? What you... goes on in Croydon? There, <laughs> no, there are more pagans and Wiccans in Croydon than in are, any other area Shush. of the UK. Yes, I I'm thought they were in Wales, all the pagans. <laughs> They're, They're just the loud pagans. <laughs> Do you know, I think there's a pagan and a Wiccan in all of us. I mean, Wiccan mm. is basically the, the white magic, you know, that you only mm. work your spells and your, your intentions for good. I mean, witchcraft mm. is more a general term which allows the possibility of potentially using your, your powers, as it were, for evil. However, when people mm. say they're Wiccan, it means that they have chosen harm no one. That is their mantra. Um, and I hope everybody chooses that. I don't think anyone would like to declare themselves a witch now. I grew up at Turin, which is supposed to be on a load mm -hmm. of different ley lines, and it's supposed to be the most witchy city in the world. Oh, um, really? The Pope's always sending people to do exorcisms and deal with witches and things like <laughs> I that. I think Croydon <laughs> is where you need to be. Croydon Sarah. is now... The, okay, no. maybe I should move to Croydon. You should, Sarah. I think um, that's a good idea. But why do you think that Nicola has apologised? I mean, what... Do we think is the point of Nicola Sturgeon apologising to witches? I don't understand. Oh, do you, are they the sort of last group left that need to be apologised no. to? No, they're a very influential group, and also you could, in in some ways throughout history, try and just put the word witch and feminism together. Really, mm. because it was strong women. It was women who were using their healing powers, who are intuitive people who had opinions in a time when women weren't supposed to, that they were hounded mm. by. I guess she's maybe going, you know, because it was International Women's Day that she did it. So mm. basically anyone who had an opinion or had invented <laughs> something or had strong day. business sense <laughs> or was a little bit controlling maybe or had, you know, was basically a powerful woman. Yeah. Would have been, I tried to, you know, I watched that. that did you, have you seen that thing on the, on the telly box on the BBC called The Witch Finder? It's a comedy starring the, that hilarious woman who was in this country. Oh, about yeah, Daisy May Cooper. Daisy May Cooper, about a hapless witch finder. Mm. I started watching it last night and actually didn't think it was very funny and then mm. started watching something completely different. Well, but yeah, it seemed... You know, 
it's a bit like doing a, a comedy about the Holocaust, isn't it? Like springtime for Hitler. It's not, you know, it's a horrific time for women. And, to, you know, to make it funny, it's very difficult to do that. I, I think they're genius comedians involved in it, but I, I, it's not something, because it, it's just a one-trick pony for me. I don't know how it can Well, I suppose on. they're all de- they've all been dead for a very long time, so they can't make a fuss, really, can they? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we've got to the stage where no one can make comedy about anyone who's still alive in case they get cancelled. So That's they've just true. decided no, to do something. Years ago, That's true. But Theresa, if you yeah. were branded a witch, what were the actual well, tests that that you were? Uh, you got you, dunked, didn't you? You get did you get dunked? And then, but there was basically once you were branded a witch, no matter how many That's times it. you denied you it, it, it was a cul-de-sac, wasn't it? It was instant. Well, basically, termination. It, it, basically, they had this trial by drowning. Now, if you if you mm. drowned, you weren't a witch. <laughs> Yeah, because the water wouldn't want you if you were a witch, and it would throw you yeah. up. I mean, basically, right. yeah, just just lose lose, isn't it? I mean, it was a mm. terrible time for women, but it was any woman actually who had was thinking outside the box, who had healing powers. I mean, who was wise, a wise woman? Why was the world so threatened by that at the time? A wise woman—that's what. Well, I have know, to say, it still is, is threatened. <laughs> it is threatened by any woman who is at all wise or clever. Yes. I think that it was also a sort of lunatic kind of Catholic thing, wasn't it? It was a sort Oh, yes, of... it's very... I mean, because which... I mean, basically, people who say they are Wiccan or into all this, you know, or Druid, all these kind of things, it's really pre-Christian yeah. religion. It's but basically it was... a belief that everything in the universe has life and there's a force and you tap into that force and you Mm. make it for good or ill. And that's really at its most basic. It's also a living in tune with the planets. That's why astrology and divination plays into it. It's really, um, you know, like that movie Avatar, you know, that, you know, you talk to the trees and they talk back and that's what it is. But I think it's also about self-determination and self-determination and independence. And of course, the churches don't like that. They just want people to do what they want them to do. And I think it was a sort of extension of the Inquisition, wasn't it, in a funny kind of a way? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are easy to control if they are controlled by religion. As I say, opium Mm. for the masses is often Mm. the famous term, wasn't it, for Christianity. But now there is a resurgence as people are moving away from religion. I mean, religion is still very strong, but people are moving away and wanting their own individualistic approach. And Wiccan is a glorious thing because you can actually be a total individual but still belong and have a, if you want a label or to say you are something mm. or have a belief, it's, it, it's actually quite beautiful. And I believe we spoke about the ladies who are, you know, at full moon gathering together. That's kind of Wiccan as well. And, and it is mm. growing and growing, especially a young, among young people. Mm. young women in particular. I mean, this idea that witches worship the devil, presumably that was put about by the Catholic Church Mm. as a way of sort of... Because they don't really at all, do they? Well, in the Bible, you know, because I'm a theologian at heart, you know, in the Bible, you know, that's the original definition of the witch, the sorceress, who who is in line with Satan, yes. But Mm. from, you know, 1950s onwards, I believe, the Wiccan movement grew up. And the Wiccan movement does not even believe the devil exists. It's just order and there is chaos and it's what mm-hmm. you choose. You choose to see mm-hmm. order and patterns or you choose to lose yourself in the chaos. And the Wiccan way, mm-hmm. you know, that's why they do their spells, is to help you see patterns and synchronicities to be a happier person and to be a more helpful and caring person. It's actually very beautiful, Wicca. And it's a shame that it's got this element of, of fear and the occult. But that's, again, movies have done that, mm. you know, for sensation. But, but, but mostly those uh, those women were sort of herbologists. You know, mm. mostly yeah. they just collected a few herbs and ground them into a paste and helped somebody yeah. who'd... Some ginger root, basically. Yes, yes. He'd yeah. cut their leg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically yeah. what they were doing. 
You are so, so right. They were basically herbalists using, you know, alternative medicine practices or energy healing or prayer. Or any medicine practices, frankly, at that stage. (laughs) There was no other medicine. Just washing your hands. (laughs) Yes. There was nothing. A lot of them were midwives, weren't they? Mm. A lot of them were sort of involved in giving birth. She's yeah, absolutely terrified. The last time we tried as a witch was 1944 as a medium. You know, yes. people who believe that they connect to the other side. I couldn't. I didn't not believe that. That was she. Day. Was she in London, Teresa? I've, for some reason, I seem to think that's the case. That she I think was it tried was in London, daughter, wasn't it? Somebody York, mm. Jane, Jane, and her daughter, and she was yeah. basically a medium. We have mediums. There's a whole underground yeah. network of mediums and spiritualists you know, a culture of people who believe that death ends a life, not a relationship, and that you can communicate mm. with the other side. And these people, you know, well, she a lot guilty. of them do it from the yeah. heart. What yeah, happened to her? She was only charged five pounds, I think. Oh, right. Well, it that's better than being no, burnt at the stake, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, things have improved somewhat in that respect. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is there a sort of Wiccan book or source of information that you would recommend? Well, I'd love to, I mean, I, I mean, self-promotion coming in here. I mean, I've written the Elements Encyclopedia of the Psychic World, which tells you all about Wicca, Books of Shadows, but also everything about alternative beliefs and psychic yeah. beliefs and manifesting. It's, it's been around a long time. It's a HarperCollins title, and it's an A to Z of everything sort of occult. But there are some, yeah. you know, Gerald Gardner, of course, he was the, uh, you know, sort of founded Wicca. Um, and also Starhawk, you know, Spiral Dance, um, as a, a Drawing Down the Moon, those kinds of books. Yeah. You know, they and are I think you were so powerful. ahead of your time, Teresa, as ever. I know. It's a, <laughs> it's know. a common problem. <laughs> that was Teresa Chung, spiritualist and author of the Encyclopedia of the Psychic World. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that. Sadly, we are no longer going to be doing this podcast. I know. So sad. Next week will be the last one. Um, But thank you so much for listening for all these weeks. I hope it's been helpful. You can still find us online on the interwebs. I'm at Westminster WAG and Imogen is at Imogen EJ. And who knows, we may return. Let's hope so. And so next week will be the last. So we hope to... Well, we hope you'll be listening then. (laughs)